0: Hi, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. This is the podcast where I get to spend time talking with the coaches and trainers at Leading Agile and the thought leaders at the company about things that they're experiencing in the field, um, different things that they're working on, and sometimes I get to bring back questions from class. So, Jan Thomas has taken some time out of her Friday afternoon. Jen, thank you for, for making time for this today. Oh, you're most welcome. So. So I've got a question I'm going to throw at you, and we're going to see what happens. But before we do that, can you uh, talk a little bit about your focus and the work that you do at Leading Agile, just so that the folks get to know you a little better?
1: Okay. Um, So my name is Jan Thomas, and um, I'm an enterprise agile coach for Leading Agile. And I've been working with Leading Agile for about three years now, and mostly what I do is I go into companies... That have already decided that they want to do an agile transformation, and I help them through the process. So I I help them set up the strategy for how they're going to convert everybody, design all of the training that needs to be done to fit their particular development environment, and then I do training and coaching of their teams and get them started on their way to agile, and then work myself out of a job and go see somebody else.
0: <laughs> that's so one of the, the weird things about the job is that the moment you walk in the door, your whole purpose is to eliminate yourself.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like if you're really so, good, so like, yeah, we So off with
0: you. We don't need you anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. So the, the whole point is like you, you almost want to leave just a little bit early so that they realize what a great job you really did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so how long, how long does it normally take? Cause I get this question in every one of my classes and I always feel like a total consultant and say it depends, but um, I mean you work on this stuff all the time and it's changed from when I was doing it a while ago, but um, how long do the engagements normally last?
1: Um, so that our engagements normally are anywhere from uh, three months to, you know, two years. But Really and truly to get good at understanding what you're supposed to be doing and being able to own the process and not be afraid to make changes, it typically takes about 18 months. So for whatever team starts, it's going to take them about 18 months to get really good at it and really comfortable with it. Now, so what we do is we come in there and we do things in waves. So it's not just like, okay, so we stay there for like a year or something. You're leaving before everybody is super comfortable, but you've got enough of a volume of people that can carry it on, is is what you're really hoping for.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would also expect that part of the work is helping them develop a level of, I don't know if it's right to say comfort or confidence with being uncomfortable, but I always feel like that's a big part of it. Like, if you're not uncomfortable, something's wrong. What you should do is have a level of confidence in your ability to manage your way through discomfort.
1: Right, right. Uh exactly okay so here's my other selling feature for agile is this is why that retrospective is so important if you ever go into a company and they say we quit doing retrospectives they're they're gonna wither and die because that is the opportunity for the team to come back and say hey this process that you gave me is not working and i need to change it this way right and because software is always changing technology is always changing you need to be able to change the process. The process is not to, is a living thing, also.
0: Yeah, I think so. this is one of the reasons I'm not a good coach because I turn, totally turn into that guy from Grand Torino. If they're like, "We don't do retrospectives," I'm like, "Get off my lawn!" Like you can't. <laughs> you've just given up your any capacity to be agile at all, and thrown out the most important thing that we do. I'm, I'm not so patient about some stuff. Anyway, along those lines, I got a question from a guy in class. And so uh, we've only, just if you're listening, we've only barely talked about this. So I have a feeling we're going to come at it from different sides, and that's what we wanted to see what would happen. So it's an experiment for us as well. I got an email from a guy this week who said he'd come out of my class, went back to work, was you know got people all excited about it. But in order to justify having the Scrum Master as a fully dedicated role, he needed a breakdown hour by hour of all the things a scrum master would do during the course of the day. Um, and I have a response. <laughs> <laughs> My response to that question is not the calmest in the world. But so, so I, I want to, Jen, first see what you, what you think about that. I mean, do you think that that is, is it a reasonable question? Is it something you think can be responded to? I, you know,
1: this breakdown... Hour by hour, day by day, it's it's not possible. Uh, it's not really possible because that the actual answer to the question, what they're trying to do is they're, uh, they're trying to justify whether or not they need this person. Right, and they probably go at it at a different angle um, because it, you know, when you're. You, you'll go in there and you'll say, well, on Wednesday, he's supposed to be in this sprint planning all day, and then he's supposed to do this and supposed to do that. And then you show up on Wednesday and he's not doing that at all. And you're like, oh, what's this guy up to? So I, I just don't think that that's like a reasonable request uh, for like a, looking at maybe a one-week or two-week sprint.
0: Well, maybe it's not reasonable yeah. if, if you understand the job, but if you think like an HR person who doesn't understand the job of a scrum master... That totally makes sense to me that they would want that question answered.
1: <laughs> well, they would want to know what you know how he's gonna. I think you should go back about it. It's like how is he gonna facilitate his value, right? So how is it? How's he gonna come? How's he gonna make the value of having this person rather than what is he gonna be doing, right? Okay. So, so that that's a different question. Um, the whole thing is like whether do you, do you need a full time dedicated scrum master. Okay. Um, the answer I always give people is if your team is small enough, then somebody on the team or the, the team themselves can rotate that responsibility of Scrum Master. So, you know, if you're only two people on your DevOps team, you've got to have a Scrum Master, even if it's only two of you. But it doesn't have to be and uh, we have this other person who is our Scrum Master. It could be like, we're sharing the responsibilities of the Scrum Master. Okay. Right? So, um, but anytime you get above about six people on your team, you probably are getting to the point where you need somebody, you know, full-time to be in there and be your Scrum Master. Because there's just going to be all of this paperwork and, uh, gathering metrics and trying to work things out with other teams and following up on how things are going with a cross-functional, you know, story or something like that, um, that you don't want your uh, software delivery staff burdened with, right? So, it's it's that whole thing about we are not making the pictures go to batting practice right because we don't really expect them to spend a lot of time hitting home runs right. what we expect pitchers to do is get people out and if they spend more of their time pitching and working on their strengths and making sure they've got a great curveball and all that kind of stuff it's an advantage to us rather than also making them great hitters right okay
0: okay so, so so I want to try, I th- I have a feeling we're going to end up on maybe different sides of some of this, but I hopefully it'll give the people that are listening different ideas about it. So on this, I, I guess where I tend to come at this from, there's two different sides to it for me. One is that it should be a dedicated role, partly because I tried to do it as a not dedicated role and I, and it, I was miserable. It, it was horrible at it. And I've never seen anybody not... Anybody I knew that did it as a fully dedicated role would walk away going, I don't understand how you can do this job any other way. Um, if if you have, you know, regardless of the size of the team, I think if you're splitting the role, then that person's not going to be able to fully do the job. Like if they're split across two teams, one team's going to suffer because one team will need more. And if they're split across two roles on a single team, like developer scrum master, they're either going to favor coding or they're going to favor being scrum master. And in either case, something's going to suffer. Right. Which I think oh, is unsound.
1: Right. I'm not saying that you're going to get the same productivity out of a developer that is also playing the scrum master role that you would out of a regular developer. You're, okay. you're going to have to account for their velocity. Um, but if there's only two or three of you on the team, you know, you might not be able, there may not be quite enough work for a dedicated full-time scrum master, right?
0: Okay. I can, I can see that argument. And I guess at the same time, I feel like um, to go with the pitcher analogy, that would be like, well, if we only have two or three pitchers on the team, then they can be each other's coach and watch each other. But if we have five or six, we're going to need an actual pitching coach to come in here and work with those guys every day and find their holes and figure out how to fix them.
1: Um, right. Yeah. So, and that, if you had an actual so,
0: major league team, you'd always want that guy whose only job was watch their mechanics, watch what they do, figure out how they can get better, and help them get there.
1: Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Well, if you're if you're a major league team, right? Yeah. But if you're, if you're um, you know, the little high school team, um, and you've only you're in a, you know, 150 in high school, you probably are not going to have a pitching coach.
0: right? That's true. Yeah, you're probably not. Um, yeah. That's, I think that's a good point. I guess the other thing is I tend to think of the job of Scrum Master as primarily being about hacking people. Like, you're a social engineer. Your job is to get these people to work as a team without telling them what to do, without having authority <laughs> over them. You have to find a way to motivate them to this state. And Part of that to me is having this one on one relationship with everybody. So mm-hmm. if when I see the teams that the teams that rotate are always it seems like they're really high performing teams and I've never worked with one of those. So I'm always <laughs> like on the land of broken toys. So it's important to have that one on one relationship with everybody. So if somebody's not comfortable saying something in a retrospective or whatever, they have a relationship with me where they can come and confide in me and then I can find a way to bring it up. But if yeah. we we're bouncing the job around, that might be tough. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I've only seen that, you know, shared responsibility, Scrum Master, work. Uh, and actually, it, they, they did, like, one rotation through the team. It was, like, a team of four people. Okay. And they did, and they were writing uh, the... Functional test suite was what they were doing. So they're all like QA slash developer types. Um, And they're uh, writing automated functional tests. And uh, so what happened was is they they got going and they're writing automated functional tests, but all of management can't really figure out what's going on, right? Because nobody's reporting
0: anything. Sure, they're just cranking it out and not talking.
1: Not talking. So, you know, so we we're saying, hey, well, we we need a a scrum master, but they they had a really kind of tight uh, plan for what they were going to be doing, and and it was just like they it was a it was like what we're going to put this thing together. They're going to be together for about six to eight months to get us over the hump of this, and then they're going to move back into their regular teams
0: so they didn't
1: want to invest in let's hire somebody else to come and be their scrum master i get that that. so they rotated the scrum master responsibilities they only did like one rotation and then there was it was really kind of funny because the um it was two women and two men and the men on the team refused to take scrum master role again (laughs)
0: So, that's horrible, and it totally makes sense to me at the same time. It's horrible <laughs> that they passed up the opportunity from a completely sexist point of view. I always think of the Scrum Master as the mom of the team anyway, except that I'm happy to be the mom of the team. So, you know, like, you yeah. got to be nurturing and caring and sometimes hit somebody upside the head with a shoe. Like, that's right. the job.
1: <laughs> that's the job, exactly. And so, uh, but what happened was that So then the, the women uh, still kind of rotated it between each other but what they said was they were always looking forward to the sprint when they didn't have to do it right <laughs> so they were willing to do the work they were willing to you know do all of this extra reporting but it was for them it was still more fun to do the coding but they couldn't talk the guys into continuing to do scrum master so oh, that's they had a shame.
0: to Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a sh- it's a shame for the guys because it is a really neat I think I just think it's a really fun and and the the job as scrum master is different every day and it's, it requires so much creative thinking and, and just focus and mindfulness that I just, I think it's a blast to do. Yeah. Uh, Heartbreaking at times, but always fun.
1: Oh yeah. But it's, it's a totally different skill set from developer. And that's, I think that's one of the things when people are saying, well, we'll just have this, our tech lead also be the scrum master. Um, a lot of times that doesn't really work out. It's the thing. Can...
0: Let's have the Vulcan be the empath. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you, you definitely need to kind of look for somebody that's going to have that, like you're saying, cares about what other people on the team are doing. Yeah. Um, to you. So, yeah, it, it definitely has to be somebody like that. And uh yeah, I, I always try to go for it. It's, it's always a good job, good idea to have one person that's dedicated to doing this. And then it, it kind of like cleans up and prepares more runway for the other people,
0: right? Like, yeah. yeah.
1: To knock things out.
0: I feel bad that I made that Vulcan empath comment. Um <laughs> <laughs> so so I want to ask you the question in a different way. So let's say that you're sitting in the room with this guy that sent me the email and his executive team and maybe somebody from HR. And they're basically trying to decide like, I mean, I'm assuming that the question is being asked sort of on the side of, we don't really need this thing. You're going to have to justify, like prove to us that you need this. What do they do all day long? If you're in that room and you have the opportunity to kind of help this person deal with the situation. What would your response to the executive and the HR people be when they ask that question? If you're there as a coach.
1: Um, yeah, so if I was here as a coach, what I would really say is what you're really looking for is um, the productivity and what you you can probably justify it by uh, an assumption of, uh, an increase in velocity because either one or two things are happening. Either they're getting no information, they have no idea what's happening with the team, like right. this little functional test team that I knew about but, uh, or I worked with years ago. But or, and in that case, you know, just getting the information and knowing where they are and being able to plan your project around it
0: yeah. is going
1: to be worth its weight in gold, right? For them, not just for
0: the team, but for them as well.
1: Right, so you don't really need to know what they're doing every day. You just need to know that now I'm getting information that I couldn't get before, right?
0: Yeah, they they could know. Like, they could walk in any time and see it, and it would be available. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, The other... The other situation is maybe they are getting something out of the team. They're getting some data or whatever, but they're doing it at a cost. So somebody else on the team is giving up productivity, and you can actually measure that, and you'll see that increased velocity across the team. And you know, people will just be happier. They'll they don't have to deal with the fact that they're trying to chase down. One of the things that we completely underestimate is how much time people spend chasing stuff down. Yeah. Like, I need to, you know, this other team was building this API for us and they were supposed to send us the XML or the WSDL or whatever and we haven't gotten it and I'm having to call that guy, you know, every morning I call and leave him a voicemail, I send him an email and just that constant drip of having to run down all of that stuff is uh, distracting, and you're using your price talent to do it, right?
0: Yeah. So- I think along those lines, I mean, one of the things that I think about when the guy asks a question that's so hard to quantify for me is, like, I when I do that job, I come to work every day thinking, I'm going to see where the day takes me. And sometimes I'm chasing stuff down. Sometimes I'm helping to write tests. Sometimes I'm going to Starbucks, and you know, cleaning up the workspace and cabling machines together. And it sounds like almost I would be uncomfortable maybe saying that to somebody in HR, but it is the job. The job is to help the team go faster. And I, and I don't have a bar as to like, this is the thing I don't do. Like if it'll help you, I'll do it. I don't care. Um, But I don't really want to say like, well, I probably spend 35 minutes a week going to get coffee for people or you know, <laughs> whatever that is, because it sounds ridiculous. Like, why can't they get their own coffee? Um, but sometimes that is, it's much more complex than that. And I think it all goes back to, maybe it's really about the, like you said, it's about the velocity, but it's about how does it affect the output of the team?
1: Right, right. So it's the output of the team, it's the number of days that they're blocked, that they have stuff blocked, Um I worked with this team one time, and they had this blocking issue. It was really kind of funny. They had it, and they had had it for like two and a half months. Right? <laughs> so,
0: it didn't you know, resolve itself?
1: It didn't, no, it had never <laughs> resolved itself or whatever. And they would every sprint, they would still put that story in the backlog. And it was like, what? I mean, in the sprint, they would just kept moving it forward. It was still blocked, still blocked. And uh, really and truly what they needed to do was have a meeting and discuss with, like, the product owner and all that what we were going to do about this problem because it was not going to get resolved by, you know, just moving it forward and waiting for somebody else to do something about it. It was it was really like a... It was a data issue, and there wasn't a really good, clear resolution. Right. And so they, they just needed to go with some, like, best... Situation. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of hard to understand, but what had happened was, you know how in databases you like to have this unique identifier to identify records. Yeah. Well, like, they didn't have that. They had multiple records tied back to the same. Okay. Person, and they had no idea.
0: How to fix it. Uh,
1: yeah. How to come up with? So they just need to come up with a solution to say. We're going to purge some of these records. We're going to, you know, they're needed like... You
0: just to take the time to have somebody say, you need to fix this and get it out of the way.
1: Right. And yeah. so it was like... So we're like, we held like three meetings. We made a decision what we're going to do. We notified people this is what's going to happen. And then that cleared up the blocker, and that <laughs> the story was like finished. It had been there for like two and a half months.
0: You see, this, this is one of the things that's so weird about the job, because it's easy... I think for anybody who's done it to come up with like a hundred anecdotes of, no, this is why it has to be a fully dedicated person. Um, right. But it's, it's, I think it's hard to explain that to somebody who doesn't already, see. it's sort of like agile. It's kind of hard to explain to somebody who can't already see it. Right. But, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to quantify it because like when I heard that question, I'm like, Oh my god! This is so the wrong question for them to ask. Like the fact that they're asking the question makes me want to run away. Um, but it's a totally reasonable question coming from where they're coming from. And, and yeah. I, I, I wish I this is to admit, like, to be transparent about a weakness. I don't know how to really answer that question without being like, really, what the hell? <laughs> 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 like. I think that, I, but I, I wish there was a simple, I mean, I could make a list and there is a list on the Scrum Alliance website, but um, the, like so many of the things that happen in transition, the questions that people used to ask when they asked them of the of these people doing this work in this new way, it's helping them see that, that that's not the question, man. It's like utilization reports. Like that's not the question you really want to ask. You don't care what? about utilization. You care about the output of people working. What are they right. producing? But you What's think that that ties back to them being a cog in a machine.
1: Yeah. You know what um, is one cool thing about it is what what we would really like for that little team to do is to be heads down and focused on delivering the list of stories.
0: Yeah. Right. Not interrupted, just productive.
1: Right. And if in order for them to be heads down and focused, there has to be somebody who's got their head up and is looking all around to see what's happening.
0: That's, <laughs> and that's yeah, what good point. Thing. Yeah.
1: Right? That is kind of like looking to see, oh no, let me do some shielding. So they may be, one day you may be doing shielding, another day you may be doing, let's all get together and have a meeting and get this cleared up, you know. And another day, you're doing stuff like, like you're saying, you're going to go get coffee or you're going to get cake
0: for a celebration or you're, uh or you're creating yeah. those reports to keep the executives happy so they know what's that, going
1: on. Right. Somebody needs to be able to report on what a great job the team is doing. So that that's always good news. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And just to be able to say where what progress you're making. And, and that's a skill set. That's not just...
0: Or you're a, helping the seven people who are distributed across the planet figure out how to become a team when they're from all different cultures and backgrounds.
1: Right. Which is Definitely. hard, too. Yeah. Uh, one of the best things I ever did was, uh, I, when I was a Scrum Master, Is uh, I had this uh, guy, and he was, he was just always complaining about his laptop and complaining about his laptop, and uh, finally I was just like, okay, well, let's just fill out the paperwork for you to get, you know, RAM. And so when we filled out the paperwork for him to get an upgrade, uh, RAM upgrade or whatever, they realized that his machine was... You know, like, no longer under contract and all this kind of stuff. And he ended up with a brand new machine. And he was such a happy (laughs) keeper.
0: (laughs) I think that that's a really good story because that sounds kind of amusing, but I think that's the kind of typical thing where it's like that's the work that you do. I mean, it's finding all different ways to get the little nooks and crannies of things that are going to help the team go faster. And, yeah. and stuff that should maybe some of it. Like if my machine was that old, I would be fussing until I got a new machine. But not everybody's going to know to do that or know how to do it. You know,
1: right? right. Or or just you know that it's okay if, if your machine is you know no longer uh, under contract. You know, because it was those were like all two year agreements, and once it rolls out of service agreement. They want to upgrade you to <laughs> the new machine. Yeah. But you have to file all the paperwork to get it done. <laughs>
0: right. And, and that's, you know, one other way that the Scrum Master can help. Cool. So, Jen, thank you very much for taking the time out to do this. This was, this was really fun to talk about. Um, if people want to track you down, they can find you on the Leading Agile website. And you're also on the Twitter, right?
1: Agile underscore Jan with okay.
0: two Ns. Two Ns. And you've got your own blog. Right. Ideas on Agile. Right. Okay. So what are some of the things that you're working on that you know, either have just put up on your blog or new ideas that you're working on?
1: So I'm working on a, a blog post that's uh, hopefully coming out this, uh, well, it'll be early next week. And it's about the cross-team stories. So when you have to put a story in a different team, how do you handle that and how do you get the work back and validate the work and that kind of thing? I'm also um, trying to get a speaking engagement together, and it's about converting feelings to numbers, and it's like using either like a maturity model or just a scale to kind of get how people are feeling, and then you can trend that over time. So it's kind of interesting. So that,
0: I think that needs to be the next podcast that we do. That's a very cool topic. Um, okay. But cool. Yeah, thank you very much for doing this. So check out the blog, check out the Twitter, and. Find Jen on Leading Agile and Jen, have an awesome weekend. All right, you too. Thanks, Thanks,
1: Dave.